continuing education in Rogue River. Hey, we're hosting a continuing education class designed for pastors, but anyone can come. It's June 28th through 30th. This year, we're having Dr. Gregory Schultz. He's talking about the fellowship of his sufferings, four missions briefings on the insurgency of death on demand and the counterinsurgency of pastoral care. This is going to be a lot of fun. Hope you can come June 28th through 30th in Rogue River. The cost for pastors is 150 retired pastors and laypersons, $100. You can register online at tabletalkradio.org slash CE. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to... Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated the baptism incorrectly. He, like, he, wait a minute, you're he mistaken. Said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism, <laughs> And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunched. So, Captain uh, Crunch. Crunch on the song. That would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word. Pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. Strengthening your fortitude, this is Table Talk Radio. Do you well, like how on the Zoom thing I can change your name? <laughs> I won't even notice that. <laughs> you still haven't grown up out, out of those uh, titles, huh? Those self-appointed nope. titles. That's right. Okay. Well, big surprise. This is the Theological Bull Rider. Joining me today is <laughs> Evan the Radio Cloud. <laughs> that reminds me. We're going to do some voicemails today, right? Voicemails and uh, Bible B. Okay, listen to this. And hey, yes. pastors, I was listening to season two, episode twelve. At the end, you were trying not to make a joke, but also think of a joke. And Pastor Wolfmuller said that the radio hosts of Table Talk Radio identify as funny, and that got me thinking. You guys should just identify as radio hosts. <laughs> Well, challenge accepted. <laughs> but you can't have a baby. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, yeah, we're going to do some. Who listens uh, to the end? What's wrong with that guy? Should we just send him a gift card for counseling? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that should be the standing offer. You got a $20 gift card for free counseling. Counselors are us or whatever. If you listen to the end. I wonder what 20 bucks of counseling would get you. <laughs> Maybe Why do you have a drill? Minutes. What are you going to do with that drill? <laughs> all right. So what else are we doing? Uh, uh, Bible B. And we're hoping that's all. We're hoping we run out of time. Yes, that's it. Oh, Holy Trinity Bible B is what we're doing. We're Oh, this is going to be nice. We just might just extend the Bible B game to the end because we'll look at Bible passages that talk about this most sublime holy, blessed doctrine of the Trinity, the first great mystery of the Christian faith. So we're going to do that, too. But first, buzzwords. Okay. Ba-boom! I've got my buzzword generator, generator, which is also called the Doctrinal Theology of the Evangelical Lutheran Church by Heinrich Schmid, which everyone can download for free on the website, wolfmuller.co. 491. 
491 is what you did last week. No, no, no. That's close. You did 500 last week. Okay. Um, hmm. Oh, how about this for the subtitle? So, application of redemption. The divine word is the instrument of conversion. Let me just look for a... Uh, italicized word here. By the way, I'm not sure if it's just my internet connection, but your video is frozen, which is nice because it's frozen with the book in front of your face. So, <laughs> here, I think we might just be audio only again this week, alas, because it right. looks like Zoom. Just... In every conversion, the Word of God must intervene as the organ, or as the Father said, the vehicle, oxema, of the Holy Spirit. Not that new emotions are impressed upon those who are to be converted as a seal upon wax, nor is this conversion something irrational, as when the ass spake with Balaam in Numbers 22, nor is it anything violent, as when a stone is hurled, nor is it anything fanatical, as where the professedly inspired who are led astray by the devil utter oracles, or when many things take place with the possessed, etc. That's interesting. Mm. Uh, that'll be good. So I'm going to use that, the uh, oxema, that's a Greek word, oxema, which means vehicle. So the word is the oxema of the Holy Spirit. I should probably write that down just in case. Just in case I want to work that in at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are the odds of that? I don't know. I think they're very, very good. All right. Well, uh, my theological buzzword for you is paraclete. Oh, nice. Paraclete. From the Greek paraclete. <laughs> uh, it means uh, like advocate or helper. Para is uh, someone who comes alongside of, or alongside of, I should say. And then, um, is that uh, to call? To kletos? Is that right? Yeah, uh, to call. shout or call. Yeah, so to come alongside of. So this is uh, a, a, the Greek word for the advocate or the helper, uh, which is in reference to the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. So what do you think about that? I think I just got finished teaching that for an hour and a half on the Worldwide Bible Study, wolfmuller.co slash Bible. You can learn all about it See, there. See, I, I taught our audience that in 30 seconds, what takes you an hour and a half. Look at this. The word paraclete comes up. So as a verb, it comes up about a million times. But as a noun, it comes up five times. The chief reference I think we should go to 1 John 2.1. We have an advocate with the Father. But then Jesus, who is our advocate with the Father, says, I'll send you another advocate. So John 14.16, John 14.26, John 15.26, and John 16.17 are the four places where Jesus gives that title or office paraclete to the Holy Spirit. I'm thinking about starting the uh, the abridged uh, Worldwide Bible class. So you just send me the <laughs> cliff notes of what you cover, and I'll do mine in like two minutes. You could, you could watch the Worldwide Bible class on the, uh, on the YouTubes, you know, and you could watch it on double speed. I don't know if people know about this, about the, about the YouTubes. You can speed oh, the right, thing up. Right. So. How fast can it go? Just double time. Oh, man. I mean, like 16 times, something like that. I'd, I'd do Maybe that. there's some hack you can download an extension. <laughs> Make YouTube go faster. I don't know. All right. Well, let's take a few minutes. We've got about we've got four minutes left in this segment. So I want to listen to some of our voicemails. Here was what came in. Hey, this is John in Des Moines, Iowa. Got a little bumper sticker theology from the McDonald's drive-thru. 
stand up for science. Thanks. Have a good one. I love that hymn. Stand up, stand up for science. <laughs> Does science need defend more defenders? What if someone should stand up against science? Sheesh. Well, that, that uh, science, you know, science is a, is a bully. <laughs> I, we should be the defenders of those bullied by science. You remember my advocacy? <laughs> did I? T- I don't think we. St- I said that on air. My, my new charitable organization. I better not say it on air. But my here's another one I can do, is uh, those who have been bullied by science. And it, we could do a, like a Sarah McLaughlin song in the background and show people <laughs> beat up and they're like. I just wanted to believe that this is an orderly world, but science came and said no. You must live in chaos. It's all about power. Oh, I just wanted to believe that God spoke the world into existence, but science wouldn't. It came and stole my lunch money and my faith at the same time. <laughs> Everyone's wishing they paid attention in science class now because because once a person like uses this authoritative, well, we follow the science. Did you just zoom in on your science. head? I don't think did I? making your head bigger is something you need. I just I just leaned in. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> I didn't. Sorry. <laughs> but you know, it's like, uh, well, we're we're following the science, and and this is science. what science says. Science, science, science. Like, well, he did say science, so I guess I can't science. disagree with him. Science. <laughs> I was that great Babylon B article that says all the scientists are looking for something new to do now that it's all settled. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I did an interview since we're plugging things. I don't know. Normally, I don't like to plug things on the show here, but yeah, I did right. an interview with Dr. Schultz on the limits of science. And he makes this great point is that we probably should not listen to science when it tells us how to live because science doesn't know what a good life is. <laughs> science does not have the capacity to tell us this is the good life. And so if it starts to. You know, it's it's like the it's like getting marriage advice from a three year old. It just doesn't know. It can't know. And so, whenever science says, you know, this is wisdom or this is truth or whatever, we're like, wait a minute, buddy, you you are that's that's above your pay grade. Science is a slave, not a master. Huh. At least it ought to be. And remember how that proverb says. I I read it this morning in the Treasury Daily Prayer in Ecclesiastes. It says, "I've seen a disastrous thing." that a slave sits in the throne. And that's what happens when science says that it's in charge. It's a slave sitting in the throne. Mm. Interesting. That guy sounds pretty smart. I think if someone wanted to listen to that guy talk, in fact, if you want to listen to Dr. Schultz and not meet Pastor Wolf Miller, the place to be June 28th through 30th is Rogue River, Oregon. I would I would really recommend people to. I can't believe you're plugging something on the show. <laughs> How do they get information? Uh, Tabletalkradio. Oh, actually, I I need to post the, uh, what do they call that? The flyer online. But the registration is at um, tabletalkradio.org slash CE. $100 for lay people, $150 for pastors. He is talking about, um, he's he's got this great, uh, I think he's working on a book on this topic, but it's talking about the insurgency of death in our culture and the pastoral response uh, to that. that uh, 
assertion. So I, I think it'd be fantastic. I think people should check it out. So I'll get that posted online and uh, get get the URL out. You hear that noise? And if you can, if you can't get it, you can listen to my interviews with them. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> but people should go to Rogue River. That'll be great. Yeah, your come alternative to Rogue continuing River. education site. I think it's great. Talk about <laughs> insurgency. <laughs> That's right. All right, we will be right back. One more voicemail after this on Table Talk Radio. Bow, 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 bow. Bow, 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 bow. Table Talk Radio. Well, we think we're funny. The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. One eight hundred three eight five seven six five two. One eight hundred three eight five Sola. Oh, that's the number to our Table Talk Radio listener response line. If you want to chime in with some comments or questions or bumper stickers or church signs, that's the number to call. Speaking of uh, continuing Ed in Rogue River, uh, we're going to be having some wonderful food. I understand. Your mother, hey, is mom your, cooking? Yo, yeah. You should come out. Now, why aren't you coming to Rogue uh, River in June? I don't know. You it's a just... long drive, man. <laughs> <laughs> just a, just a, you could some, you could come visit your parents once in a while. I could. I know. It's been years. That's embarrassing. <laughs> Ever since I got here, you quit coming for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> your, is your, Evan going to be in town? Your parents are like, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy. I know. All right. Here's the last voicemail. Hey, pastors. Uh, listening to a recent episode, you're talking about the ELCA having their first trans bishop or something like that. Um, and you made the comment that, look, if you're a Christian in the ELCA, time to jump ship. Clearly, things are obviously going down. Um, certainly don't dispute that. But I, but I am kind of curious. Um, you guys are in the LCMS. LCMS has rampant open communion, got contemporary worship and all the bad theology that goes along with that. Got order of creation issues with women in leadership roles, all sorts of issues. Um, so, like, talk about when's it time to jump ship there, or kind of, kind of, what's the big difference? Um, not trying to spark controversy. Just really wanted to hear your thoughts. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks for the call. You know, it is always a difficult thing when there is a whether it be a church congregation or a church body that has a practice that is not faithful to scriptures. Uh, when it is time to, um, you know, take your your membership to a faithful congregation, so it's hard to know where that line is. But I do think that when that church body has a tranny bishop, that is a pretty good indicator. <laughs> <laughs> Have we figured out if you can use that word or not, or oh, if sorry. it's hateful? I I don't know. I'm sure that I'm sure can't. I don't. I just I, yeah. We gotta someone let us know because no, we don't want to. Accidentally offend people. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> now, but it is interesting because if you remember when we were talking about this, I was I stepped I stepped carefully because I was anticipating um, the other side. I was anticipating someone in the ELCA to 
call in and say, hey, look, I'm a faithful Christian and we're still working harder than trenches. So I was I was being careful, like, you know, uh, you know, it's time to jump ship. And uh, this guy calls and he's like, when you guys had open communion, you should have left, which is like in 1988, day one. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> oh, interesting. That's uh, like how many. It's like how strong is the camel's back? I suppose, you know? Yeah, uh, but okay. So, well, uh, so we're we're, we're uh, pastors in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. There's um, yes, pra- there are pastors and congregations and Christians who um, uh, have practices that are are contrary to Scripture. Uh, so does this mean that uh, we should be leaving the LCMS? What do you think? Uh, so uh, uh, here's, a, here's a couple of things to think about. Number one is, the, what is the official doctrine of the thing, you know? So, like, it's even if you just were to look at the ELCA, for example, and they were to say, you know, look, we think that um, that if god we think that god has the authority to create a person as a man and a woman and his authority should not be questioned and that's our official doctrine but there's people who are in the church body going against it in whatever way we might say well look the official teaching is being contradicted by what some people are doing but we can go with the official teaching it's when the official teaching is gone then now things are really in trouble. So it's I think it's okay to look at the official teaching of a church body and you if the practice is incongruent with the official doctrine then you got a problem but that's it's still fixable, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I and I it at some point you, you, I suppose. At some point, the ELCA is sort of standing on it's. It's denied the authority of the Scripture, and I, I do not think the Missouri Synod has denied the authority of the Scripture. It might have made missteps here and there, but it's it's it seems it's like it's of a different. It's a, it's a, of a different kind of misstep to your to your previous point. Yeah, I was going to say. I suppose <clears throat> the church body that has. Uh, no one practicing falsely may throw the first stone. <laughs> you know, I mean, um, we it should it should be our our desire um, that our practice would would be in line with with Holy Scripture. And I I I think to, to your point, our uh, issues in the Missouri Synod aren't our our problem. Uh, our problem is whether uh, there's anything that can be done for those who practice contrary to our doctrine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that's so. In other words, what I'm saying is, where could the Missouri Synod uh, take better steps? It's, uh, in my estimation, not in our theological positions. I, I think you know those are are pretty good, uh, but where we could take steps in the right direction is how do we deal with uh, false practice in our church body? in a godly way. That's what I would like to see. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, and we see that the Lord is, we, just, we, we want to do what Jesus said to do, which is to beware of false doctrine, beware of false teaching. And he tells us that there will be false teaching. And so the church is all, it's, I suppose it's like a body 
in fact, this might be the false teaching is like cancer to the body. So it doesn't instantly kill you, but it will eventually kill you. So the same thing for faith, same thing also for a church. But do do you have a theological immune system or not? Uh And once, you know, once you are ordaining openly sinful, according to their sexual identity, folk, you're you know you're 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 on life support and there's not much you know life there because you've denied the source of life which is the holy spirit working through the word of god mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so once you you know once you've pulled out the iv <laughs> that the lord is using to give you the medicine then you're in a really desperate spot hmm. so we can identify theological error but we won't it's the, the question is does it, it is your theological immune working or not hmm. it, i wish it was working better in the missouri senate of course but th- that's the that, that's the indicator i think yeah i i think of maybe it's similar to way i would approach a individual congregation mm-hmm. um you know if i was if i was uh if i was looking for a church and i attended a lutheran congregation and I talk to the pastor, and the pastor says, "You know, um, I've, I've been here a short time. Uh, we're we're looking to uh, learn and, and and study the scriptures and to correct some of the practices we have uh, in our church uh, in a godly way. You know, even though some of the practices might not reflect um, uh, right doctrine, the fact that the pastor is working in the right direction, I would want to attend that church. I would want to support the pastor and and, and help in that endeavor." And that's a different situation than going to a congregation where they uh, embrace uh, false practice and have no desire to change. Um, and I can kind of see that as a as an analogy for the Missouri Synod. Um, that the Missouri Synod in the last ten years has really taken some steps uh, to correct some of its uh, false practices, and uh, that I see has been steps in the right direction. Um, but uh, but we. It, it's sort of unrealistic to think that a church body of six thousand congregations uh, is not going to have, um, you know, uh, congregations that uh, are contrary to our our uh, doctrine or practice, even though they should be. You know, I'm I'm not certainly making excuses. I'm just saying that you know it's it's a it's a fairly large church body, and so um, there will be some um, people practicing contrary to our doctrine and belief. Yeah. That's right. So we have to. So we're always in this kind of ongoing theological work. I mean, it's one of the reasons why you and I are doing what we're doing is to try to encourage theological faithfulness in in everybody, and to support the hands that are drooping because it is hard to be orthodox doctrine and practice is hard. Mm-hmm. We got to remember that that we need each other's help in this. That it's kind of it's like husband and wife it's you know you you like to get married in the for in health and in wealth and for richer part you know Mm -hmm. but it you need each other for the poorer and the sicker and Mm -hmm. in want and so that's when we need each other as brothers in Christ and as fellow Christian congregations in the tough part when the culture sits there and says oh you think that marriage has got to be a, a, a man and a lady well you're bigots and you're hateful and also we hate you and also the 
<laughs> you know, and so it's hard to say the things that make you despised by the world. Yeah, nobody likes that. I mean, we're like our consciences are bent to try to make ourselves presentable to our neighbors, you know, to right. be and so it's hard to 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 be hated by the world and so that we need each other to to fortify each other in these situations. Right. All right. Well, we do appreciate the phone call and welcome more of those. 1-800-385-7652. 1-800-385-SOLA. And when we get back from this break, Trinity Bible Bee. Ah. I heard the word Trinity isn't even in the Bible. I don't know how oh, this yeah. game is going to work. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's true. That's what someone knocking on my door told me. We'll see. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. in a way in the English language to indicate we are using the singular you. But thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio. So I've kicked up the Wolfmuller One YouTube channel, and I was talking to Daniel, my expert YouTube advisor about it, who said, Dad, your stuff is really bad. I know, Daniel, I know. But look, I have 4,006 uh, for watch time. And to monetize on YouTube, you got to have 4,000 hours. And I, I look, I said, look, 4,006. And Daniel says, Dad, you have 4,006 minutes, not hours. <laughs> anyway, if you want to see what we're up to over on YouTube, you can visit YouTube, search for Wolfmuller. Wolfmuller1 is the channel name. See you there. Okay. Hey, how'd you know? The moment Pastor Wolfmuller has been waiting for. Ever since this morning when he did the Worldwide Bible class. <laughs> How can I do the same thing twice? That's that's oh. right. I don't even have to do any show prep anymore because I used to do a lot, you know, like a couple weeks worth. But now that so you do... show prep is like, where's my computer? <laughs> now, now that you do the Worldwide Bible class before we record... Uh, you, you had it's all done, you know, so I'll just ask you, well, what are we talking about today? So apparently you're talking about the Trinity over there. We well, the... were talking about, uh, we were talking about the Holy Spirit mostly, but gotcha, gotcha. it's Trinity Sunday. Remember how that was Trinity Sunday, the other Sunday? Yeah. It's Trinity week. Trinity week. We might so even I got some Bible... a season of, oh, so you don't get Trinity season anymore, do you? <laughs> well, it's interesting now that you mention that, because at St. Paul Lutheran Church, we have the three-year lectionary. That means we're in Pentecost, and the, at Jesus' Deaf Lutheran Church, we're in the one year. Oh, so really? Oh, That's yeah. interesting. It might make it easier on the pastor just to have the same lectionary of both churches. We wouldn't what? want to make For... it easier on you, <laughs> For what, pastor? <laughs> what are you talking about? Okay, fair enough. So uh, you are kind of in this. Uh, I've been Trinity preaching season. different sermons on the early service to late service lately. Yeah, anyway. I, yeah. I'd, I wouldn't think that your sermon would sit still a whole day. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I'm like, I preached on the gospel text, and I'm like, I want to preach a different sermon. So I don't want to preach on the gospel text because I'm afraid I might accidentally say the same thing twice. <laughs> so I'll preach on the epistle lesson or whatever, <laughs> or the psalm. All right. Just yeah. to make sense. Anyway, and it's amazing because sure. you spend about 20 hours writing your sermon. So when you do two <laughs> different ones, that's a lot of time. I'm, like, I'm looking around for a Bible during the sermon hymn. 
<laughs> That's why they call it the Sermon of Anyway, all right, we're going to do Bible B, right? Yep. I got a verse for you. Okay. I, now, the way this normally works, oh, I'll, I'll read three verses, is we read three verses and one verse, then one word. Okay. I don't know if that's how we'll do it today. I'm not Ish. sure that's how I want to do it. That'd be a general gotta, guideline. Yeah. Uh, here's a verse for you. Then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Ah, I see now why you had the royal we in mind. Uh, so, this is from the book of Genesis. What? Um, That's your final guess? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I might venture a guess on the chapter. All right. Uh, is this chapter one? Is that your, you're going to go with Genesis 1? Yeah, yeah. Is that right? You're right. I might venture a guess on the verse. What? I'm, I'm, ch- I'm slightly less certain on the verse, but okay. uh, why not? We'll, we'll go for broke. Yeah. Is it, uh, so how many verses did you read to there? Three? Three. Okay, yeah. so somewhere within that three is verse 26. You are right. I read Genesis yes. 1, 26, 27, and 28. Nice. Uh, this is wonderful. Um, How many points is that? Should have picked a harder verse. God is the creator, uh, yep. and one of the things that we we talk a lot about all the confusion right now about uh, gender, and really to to deny um, the creation is to deny the creator. So it's almost inseparable. You know, I mean, we 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 shouldn't be surprised that those who uh, think that there is no God and that we are a result of a uh, random accident of chance, that there wouldn't be any stability in the ordering of things uh, because God is the one who uh, creates order. So the those who oppose God will be pro-chaos as resulting in uh, what we see in all this, all this madness that we have about us today. Chaos. Uh, I, how about this for, you know, when, uh, Martin Luther says, Hey, we believe in the Trinity like everybody else. He says, Genesis one, that's his proof text. Hmm. I think it's great. Now here in this text, the Lord says, let us make man in our image. And we say, ah, look, our plurality and the unity of God. And, uh, the opponents of the doctrine of the Trinity say, no, 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 no. That's number one. That's the Royal we like Hmm. the princess or the print, the queen in Egypt says, we wish you a good day. Well, okay, this is not the Queen of England talking. It's God talking. And who's, and then some people say, well, it's the angels. The Lord is talking to the angels. But here's the question. Are Adam and Eve made in the image of the angels? Answer, no, they are not. We are made in the image of God. That's the point. And this image and likeness of God is really, really quite profound. Do you see in verse 27, oh, I forgot to share the old screen. In verse 27, this word create is this unique word that was used back in verse 1. Here, God created the heavens and the earth. It's only used one other time on the way. God created the great sea creatures. But then here down in verse 27, God created, God created, God created. And that triple creation is used 
as, as another indication of the Holy Trinity. Mm, fantastic. Very nice. Good deal. All right, I got one for you. Okay. You, by the way, have 600 points, 100 for the book and 200 for the chapter and 300 for the verse. Thank bringing you. Bringing you to a total very of 600 much. points. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable of the year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Hmm. That sounds prophetic-y. Uh, although this also sounds New Testament-y <laughs> because I do believe that this is the passage that Jesus read when he first preached at the synagogue in Capernaum. And that and that is given to us in Luke. But I think that Jesus stopped before you did in that reading. So Jesus stops right before it says the day of vengeance of our God. So, I think it's not the Luke passage. I, I, by the way, think this is the passage that John the Baptist is hoping the disciples will come back from. Remember when John in prison sends the disciples and says, are you the one we've been waiting for? And Jesus sends them back <laughs> quoting passages. You know that part about prisoners being set free? Because that would be you good remember? about now. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, the blind seeing and the lame leaping like deer. Yeah. I, but the check, prison, Remember check. this. But there's one that I haven't seen yet. <laughs> and Jesus picks a different passage from the same book. Uh, so I'm going to guess, what is the prophet Isaiah? Well, the prophet Isaiah is a prophet. Oh, you, oh, I see. What You're... is the book of the prophet Isaiah? <laughs> That's correct. You got it. All right, let me see. A chapter, I'm very unsure about this chapter. But for whatever reason, in my imagination... It it is indicating chapter sixty one. Your imagination is correct. Wow. Okay. Verse. I don't think I can do a verse. Is it double or nothing for the verse? Sure. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. And no verse for me. <laughs> no verse for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too bad because it was verses one through three. Oh. All right. It's a beautiful text. It, the it's a riff. Yeah, I, I would love to someone to do this study on Isaiah's use of King David, because Isaiah will oftentimes pick up these themes from David in the Psalms and expand them. So here, this is an expansion of the Psalm that I can never remember is Psalm 45, where it says, you have anointed me with the oil of gladness above all, you have anointed him with the oil of God above all his fellows talking about how Jesus bears the Spirit in full measure. And that comes into these latter servant songs of Isaiah. He's reflecting on that truth about how Jesus is the one who restores to humanity the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Nice. Fascinating. Okay, so let's do another uh, round two then. Uh, let me check our time here. We have, uh, oh, a minute and a half. We're good. Go ahead. Okay. You're going to have a lot of points available on this one. For to which of the angels did God ever say, 
you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Why would there be a lot of points available to me? Because <laughs> I'm going to give you points for a lot of identifications on this. Well, okay. Um, so this is from... Um, this appears in Hebrews, and it appears in the Psalms. Uh, so I need to guess which one you're reading from. And it appears other places too. This is a, this is a oft quoted text. Um, to which, oh, it could be Acts. Uh, I'm going to go with Acts. <laughs> Wrong. Doesn't it appear Now you are, yes, it does. <laughs> But <laughs> so this I this is to... this is part of uh, if I'm not mistaken this is part of Peter's Pentecost sermon is that correct? No, well, n- no, maybe. Okay, here's okay. the thing: this phrase "You are my son." Today I have begotten you is Psalm two, okay, and it is quoted in Acts. But the little preface for to which of the angels did he uh, ever say that be Hebrews. makes this the Hebrews one yeah. argument? Ah. Well, we're going to talk about that more because this is fantastic stuff here. Yeah, good stuff. All right, more Bible B last segment of Table Talk Radiohead. Stay tuned. What? What? You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Never imitated, never duplicated. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. <laughs> you got to be good to be this bad. <laughs> right. Do you think this kind of mediocrity just happens by accident? So I suppose no. the question that the author of the Hebrews <laughs> is anticipating is the notion that Jesus is an angel. It would be almost like he knew of certain cults that would arise from this uh, belief that Jesus is an angel. And yet the author what? says, well, to which of the angels what? did the Lord say, quoting from Psalm 2? I miss yes. that. I mean, I, I, I knew-ish that it was there in Hebrews. You did well. But I went you to did the fix. Acts passage. You did fine. Yeah. Okay. So that I mean. So a couple of things here. You got the. I'm sharing the screen for those of you on the YouTube's. Okay. So I I want to present this to you as a thesis, and that is that part of the glory of Hebrews chapter one is it gathers up all these passages from the Old Testament, where the Father is talking to the Son. <laughs> so look at this. You are my Son. Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father. He shall be to me a son. Second Samuel seven. Again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Hmm. This is an amazing thing. Uh, the angels, he says, your winds of fire. But to the son, he says, your throne, O God. Now look at that. God the Father calls God the Son, God. Hmm. <laughs> your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of outrights is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, that's the Father, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. That's Psalm 45, Mm -hmm. the one you were talking about a minute ago. And then, look at God the Father. It says again, 
the God the Father calls the Son Lord, verse 10, you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. Hmm. So God the Father calls God the Son Lord and God. Mm-hmm. To which of the angels did he ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your, your, uh, your feet, your enemies a footstool for your feet, Psalm 110. And then Psalm, uh, Hebrews 2 tells what the Son says back to the Father. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. I will tell of your name to my brothers. I will put my trust in him. Behold, I and the children God has given me. So God the Son calls the Father God also. Now, okay, so with that in mind, so the psalm, that's the, now back to Psalm 2. Now look at, uh, so here's the thing I'm very interested in, in our Trinitarian theology. And it's all the times where God is talking to God. So Hebrews 1 and 2 is a catalog of this. But look at, if you go back to Psalm 2, verse 7, you are my son today, I have begotten you, is a quote. And verse 7 begins like this. I will tell of the decree... The Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. So the me in the verse is God the Son, Jesus. And he says, Jesus is talking, and he says, I want to tell you what the Father said to me. The Father told me, mm. you're my son, today I have begotten you. Mm. So that it's, it's Jesus telling us, telling King David here, but telling us what the Father said about him. So that even here, we're hearing the voice of the Father, but it's the Son who's telling us what the Father said. He's you the, see that? He's the revealer. He's, he's the one that comes and brings um, it's the epiphany, right? Yep. And that's also the same thing that happens in, in Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So David is quoting what Jesus is telling him, that the Father said... To him. Yeah. Sit at my right hand. That's the father talking to, to G- your footstool. So it's the father talking to the son there. It's this amazing thing. So like in Acts, when we have, say, when you have that verse in Acts, think, think about this. This is a something. In Acts chapter 2, and you have the Pentecost sermon, which I think maybe, the uh, no, no, it's later. It's Maybe it's Acts chapter 13. Mm, okay. Uh, where that Psalm 2, yeah, yeah, here it is. You are my son today, I have begotten you. Hmm. Is this Peter preaching, or is it Paul? Paul. So how about this? In, in this? in this place, in Acts chapter 13, verse 33, you have Luke quoting Paul, quoting David, quoting Jesus, quoting the Father. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So the father said, so, so Luke told me what Paul, who told me what David, who told me what the son, who told me what the father said to the son. It's an ama- it's just so many, it's an incredible thing to think about, actually. Yeah, that's cool. All right, got another round for you. Get your screen off okay. my screen. All right, there we go. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm feeling pretty generous right now, actually. Oh, wow. So yeah. I'm going to give you two verses. 
All right. And they are. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lightning on him. Lighting on him, not lightning. Lighting on him. (laughs) And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Okay, so, baptism of Jesus... That's the first time we hear the voice of God the Father. The baptism of Jesus is told to us in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And there is a way to know which gospel it is because... You just look at the top. (laughs) The top of the... (laughs) In one place it says, you are my beloved son. And then in another place it says, this is my beloved son. Mm. And if I remembered that, then I could tell you what gospel it is. at least I remember what I've forgotten. But so say that, say just the, the words thing. of the Father. Okay. Uh, this is my beloved son. There's a big thing because it's a you have to see because there's this question about what did John the Baptist hear in the baptism of Jesus? Did John hear this or was it just given to Jesus? This is my beloved son. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Matthew. You are. Matthew it is. Oh, I was going to guess the chapter and verse. Oh, Oh, you showed me too quick. Just kidding. I see it already. (laughs) That's a good way to keep you from getting points. (laughs) Now you can't guess chapter. Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 3. I was all proud of myself because I remembered to screen share this time, and then you told me to do too soon. Well done. All right. right, Shame, shame. What do you have on this passage? Uh, This, it isn't, uh, how about this? I was thinking about this on Sunday, because we were looking at the liturgy, just going through the liturgy, looking at all the Trinitarian references, and there's so much Trinitarian reference at the beginning of the liturgy, of the liturgy of the Word, and there's a few at the end, but it's not nearly as concentrated. At the end of the liturgy, which is the Lord's Supper, has to do with the Incarnation, and it occurred to me that these two great mysteries, the Trinity and the Incarnation, are confessed in the service, Trinity chiefly at the beginning, Incarnation chiefly at the end, although they're both confessed all the way through. And then it occurred to me that the two great mysteries are connected to the two sacraments. So baptism is a sacrament of the Trinity, and the Lord's Supper is the sacrament of the Incarnation. Oh, interesting. Which is interesting to think about. Huh. I had never had made that connection. Hmm. And it makes sense that the two clearest passages that have to do with the doctrine of the Trinity are also baptism passages. So Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And in this text, the baptism of Jesus, where we see Jesus in the water, we see the Holy Spirit lightninging on him like a dove, like a fireball dove, and we hear the voice of God the Father, only one out of three times that God the Father speaks in the New Testament, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, quoting, what is that, Deuteronomy 1818, or 1919, or 1819. <laughs> Or 1918. <laughs> it's it's either Deuteronomy 18:19 or 19:18 or right next to them. Okay. What what is it? Do you remember? <laughs> that it makes sense that baptism is connected exactly to to the doctrine of the Holy Trinity because we're adopted into the family of God and there's a place in the family of God made for us by Christ. So Deuteronomy 18:18. Okay. That, I was close. Is that what you were looking for? Yes. Oh, whoever. I will raise up a prophet. Yep. yep. Listen to him. Yep. Okay. Uh, oh, also, verse twenty. Look at that. Uh, no, let's see. Uh, prophet speaks the word for. Uh, 
You go back to verse 17. God, I can't see verse 17 there. Ah, there it is. Uh, the Lord uh, has yeah, said to me, they have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among you. That that verse, by the way, Deuteronomy 18, 18, I will raise up a prophet like unto you, the prophet like unto Moses, is one of the very few rectilinear prophecies of Jesus in the Torah, in the books of Moses. Hmm. It's kind of wild. If you just sit down and read like Genesis to Deuteronomy in one sitting, I've actually never done that, but that makes me sound really <laughs> smart, doesn't it? If, if you, you just would. sit down and read the whole Old Testament in one hour, you start to notice some pretty cool things. And that is there's all these direct <laughs> promises of Jesus in Genesis from the beginning, Genesis 3.15, all the way to uh, the, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, Genesis 50, and all these promises, the seed to Abraham, Isaac, and all this, all these direct promises of Jesus. And then once you get to Moses, it's different. There's very, very few direct messianic prof prophecies of Jesus until you get to that chapter in, in Deuteronomy. Well, guess what? We are out of time, believe it or not. What? I know. Let uh, me just look at the scoreboard here. Oh, never mind. Why? You have 600. I have 400. Uh-huh. If only uh, you had the opportunity. The early. <laughs> if only you had the opportunity to guess the verses on that one. That would have helped you quite a bit. <laughs> it's unfortunate I, I shared the screen it too is. soon. It anyway. is. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. What's our buzzwords Where again? the points are like. Do I do everything around uh, here? The points. <laughs> Could you think of an inner, a liner at the end? <laughs> it's too late. We're, Voice guy's <laughs> coming. Just, 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 just relax. Just let it, it happen. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. He Please sits in the corner, by the way. Before He's listening to Table Talk Radio. Getting tired of Side waiting on you. Nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to intense senses. Chronic injury, psychosis, coma, death, alopecia, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep pain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.